0: So today we're going to um, start in the book of Joshua, <clears throat> and uh, we can go to our first slide. We're going to um, actually continue <clears throat> with last week's message of Joshua and Caleb. I wanted to continue with it because I felt like the Lord, there was more in uh, the telling for us, and of course, like most Stories of the Bible. We, I mean, we could spend lots of time on it, but it's really the Lord was saying, just you know, it's, it, we, we need to continue. Uh, and so, if we take a look at Joshua chapter 18, verse 3, we're looking at the story of Joshua, Caleb. We did that uh, last week, looking at what are the giants in your land and how to overcome those giants per se. Uh, and so, today we're going we're gonna to take a look at things a little differently. As usual, Joshua chapter 18, verse 3, and it says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you going to wait until you possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? Say that again. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you going to wait until you take the land of promise which the Lord thy God has given you? So this is after the spies have come back. Joshua and Caleb are waiting to now go into the land. And he says to the Israelites, how long are you going to wait until you take what the Lord has for you? Because we're just kind of sitting around waiting and watching. Let's pray. Father, I just pray, Lord God, the Holy Ghost would just continue to just flood us today. Lord, that the same spirit that was amongst us in worship would just be amongst us in the teachings. I pray for ready hearts and available hearts to receive from you, to hear of you. I pray that there would just be organization in the Spirit, that you just bring everything together, that those people that are here that really need to hear this, including myself, would just receive and be open. Amen? All right. So as I was saying, how long will you wait, or at least Josh would saying. So the Lord has put in my heart, it's like, man, like, there's so many things that are of the promise of the Lord, which I do not have yet, that's there for the taking. There are promises the Lord has given us, right? And so we, sometimes we sit on the outside, like, looking at, like, look at all these promises that the Lord has for us. But how come I don't have access to it and uh, connection to it? At least that's what the Lord is putting in, putting in me. And so what really is the promise of the Lord? Because I'm always <clears throat> humbled when people say, like, you know, you use these words when you're teaching. And we don't always understand what you mean by that. Because when you grow up in the church, sometimes you start to use what we call Christian Christianese, like these Christian terms of the promised land. inherit your promised land. A lot of different ministers talk about the promised land in different ways. Some people say it's the land of finances, of milk and honey, that you're going to be overflowing, you have all this kind of stuff. Uh, And that's the the and purpose of inheriting your land and promise. We usually call that a little bit of prosperity theology. Uh, We don't do that too much here. We do believe that the Lord wants to bless you, uh, but it is an outcome of other things. It's not like the focus, right? So what I mean by the promised land, I mean the promises that the Lord has for us as sons and daughters of the Most High. The best way that I can really explain that, which may just be more Christianese concepts, but I'm hoping that it will make more sense as we go forward, uh, is that the promises of the Lord is essentially the kingdom of heaven coming to earth. The Lord instructed us how to pray. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Like, Jesus is asked, how are you to pray? Well, you pray that your Father is hallowed, and that His kingdom comes to earth. Now, what is His kingdom? Yes, His kingdom from us is a sense of peace and joy and provision. No doubt about it. No doubt about that. I believe that firmly. But sometimes we get off track. It's all for his name to be glorified on earth. And so what I mean that the kingdom of heaven coming to earth is really our promise. What I mean by that is that when the kingdom of God comes into this church, this place is going to be like breaking up, its seams. When I mean that the kingdom of God is coming to earth, I mean that Bristol Borough is radically changed and is on fire for the Lord. When I mean the kingdom of heaven coming to earth, I mean that Jesus' name is being spoken, that people are hearing, that people are repenting, that people are being healed, that people are being transformed into the goodness of the Lord, that you can't hold back the goodness of the Lord. You just got to speak it. You just got to tell somebody. And that the kingdom, souls coming into the kingdom is being enlarged. I think that's what our promise is. That's what we've been called to do. For the Lord to be glorified, hallowed, honored in our midst. And for the kingdom to go forward in power and in might. Anything else, you're serving the wrong God. Like anything else. just being very, very clear and blunt with you. Anything else, you're just serving a different God. Like, oh, I'm going to serve Jesus because He's going to give me money. Why aren't well, you serving the God of matter of wealth? Right? Um, so, you know, we've got to be careful because we're not trying to teach a, a Christianity and a faith where we beat ourselves back and we just all force ourselves to be like these humble, depressed people. No, it's not what we're saying. But it's, you know, what's first, the chicken or the egg? Or rather, what is the intent of all things? The intent of all things is for Jesus to be glorified, for His kingdom to come. For souls who are destined for death and eternal damnation, that they come into the loving knowledge of the goodness of the Lord. That all the things that the enemy has come to destroy because of his jealousy, come to destroy is worked in opposition. I mean the, yes, the financial difficulties, but I also mean the depression, and the anxiety, and families that are torn apart, and cancer, alcohol, everything else that may be out there. For it all to just be gone. Because the kingdom comes to earth. I think that's the land of promise. I, that's the land of promise I want. Is the kingdom. The kingdom. And I, we could speak so strongly on it. Because Jesus himself says, this is how you are to pray. One, let your Father in heaven be glorified and honored. And two, let the kingdom come to earth. That is what I want my heart to tend to be. And that's what I really want this church's heart to be. As individuals and as a community. The Lord's name to be glorified and to the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. Oh. Now, okay. What happens is once we start speaking like this, uh, and once you go home, and maybe even right now, there starts to be like these lies. These lies that the enemy begins to tell us. And they're lies that have been there all, ever since the dawn of time. In any time anyone talks like when a Moses talks like this, when a Joshua or Caleb talks like this, the enemy starts to come in and starts to woo 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 to the people. Oh, there's giants there. Now, some of the lies, some of the lies are, well, you know, I, I'm old. Now, you may say, huh, like, I'm 36, so I'm not like, that's not really a lie that I necessarily listen to. But there may be some people here like, ah, you know, I've, I've been serving the Lord for a long time, and, you know, I've, I've been doing it, and I'm a little older, it's now for the, the younger folks to do this or something. I don't don't know what kind of lies the Satan may use. He does all these different things. But in Joshua chapter 18, verse 11, Caleb says, man, I am four score plus five, meaning I am 85 years of of age. I'm as strong as the day when I was 20. Moses doesn't lead the people out of the promised land until he's like 80 years old. Look, if you're an older person, you're like, oh, well, you know, I've done my thing. I'm a little tired now. I'm entering into retirement. Let me tell you something. There's no retirement in the kingdom. You don't retire from being a son or daughter. You don't retire from just speaking the, the, the good news of the gospel. You don't retire from blessing someone and praying for them. We need to get inside of our lives. Man, even unto the last breath that I take, Well, it's 80, 90, 100, 110, however old you may be when that happens, that up until the end, you're bringing forth the kingdom of God. Some of us may think, well, I'm, we're too young. Well, that's interesting because Paul the Apostle tells Timothy, don't let anyone look down upon you because of your age. has nothing. The kingdom has nothing to do with age. Someone who's 10 years old and is baptized in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost which they receive is not a junior varsity Holy Ghost. Come on now. Now, if you rely on your own human intellect and your own human abilities, then you can start playing that game. Well, you know, I know so much more than my son or daughter or the young bucks. I get that. But if you rely on the Holy Ghost and you're relying on the spirit of the living God to live your life, to instruct, to edify, you could be four years old and your little daughter can say, well, Daddy, you know, that's not right. And get a conviction of the Holy Ghost. So it doesn't matter how old nor how young, unless you are playing by the rules of the world. I don't have the skills to do it. I don't have the education to do it. I don't have, I'm not extroverted. I don't have the ability to go up to someone like Bill, like Bill does at Wawa and do this, that, the other thing. You know, dude, it's all lies. It's all lies. All lies. Now it doesn't have to look like Bill. It doesn't have to be, you know, extroverted and energized like Bill. It could be a quietness. And, and, and a certain level and tone that you're sharing with people, but you're still sharing with people. book of Acts says, whoa, whoa, don't worry about what you're going to say when you go before kings. Whoa. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's a Holy Spirit that's going to be speaking through you. Almost are you already know what you're going to say that you may be actually going down the wrong road. It's better to be like I don't know what I'm going to say, and when it happens, the Lord is just going to work it out. So many of us have it all planned out, like I'm going to do this. And... Uh, I'm not demeaning the tracks. I'm not demeaning the things that seem to work. But man, where there's life, there's life. The Spirit brings forth life. Uh, but why are you one of the most profound things? Which I think is is really what what deals with a lot of people is uh, with a lie of time. I don't have time to do this. I'm rushing off to work, or I I need to do this, and I can't do this for the kingdom because, you know, I just don't have time, and I'm tired, and I'm this, and I'm that, and all this. You know what I'm saying. That's probably the one that I I, I think is probably the strongest uh, in American society. And, you know, one of the things here is this. Uh, How do you know what someone values? I ask this in school a time with, my, with the kids I'm teaching. How do you know what someone values? And, there are, you know, people come with all these answers. And, you know, the best thing that I can realize or come to is that what people value is what they place their time on. That's it. It's not even what you spend your money on. It's what you spend your time on. Because you spend money, you can make more money. You spend time, you can never get it back. It is the most precious commodity on earth outside of the blood of Jesus is time. You can never get it back. And so, whatever you're spending your time on is what you value. So, if you're spending your time on video games, then you're valuing video games. If you're spending time on the news, because you want to be abreast of everything that's going on, that's what you value. If you spend your time on working and, and, and making money and making more money and more money and more money, you're valuing material possessions. If you're, whatever you spend your time sitting down with your kids or your wife your spouse, you value that the most because that is what is the most precious, is your time outside of the blood of Jesus. And so you have to think, what do you value in your life? What do you value most in your life? And the way to answer it is, what do I spend the most amount of time on? So if you value the kingdom, you value that the name of the Lord be hallowed glorified on earth. The kingdom will advance. I understand. We work. We have to work so you can't just be like in full-time ministry. I'm not even in full-time ministry. But all of us are in full-time ministry. Any other thought is a lie. We are all in full-time ministry. When you go to work, do you show the kingdom. When you go to the coffee shop you show the kingdom. Oh, man, how many kids go to seminary like, I just want to go in the full-time ministry. Come on, once you're born again, you're in full-time ministry. You may not be acting in it. You may not be walking in it. Because what do you value? You value the kingdom. You value the blood. You value what is going on in eternity. You and I will devote our time. While we're working, while we're driving down the car, while we're at Wawa, while we're sitting here, on the kingdom of the everlasting living God. Amen. Amen. All right, let me go to the next slide? Because I have no idea what it is. Cool. We're not there yet. So I, I promised Bill that I would I would give a testimony of what's going on at Silver Lake Nursing Home, and there's a profound truth in this, and that's why I wanted to save it. If we go to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 11. Jesus. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force again. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violence take it by force. All right, so let's go back into the story after reciting and stating that verb. Uh, I guess beforehand would make sense. Uh, the word force in Greek is biazo. Uh, and actually, at, at this point in time, it's in the verb form, biazite. But biazo uh, is loosely translated as force or violence or, or, or suffering. Uh, but if we take a look um, at, at some of the commentaries and what have you, uh, and essentially what they're saying here is that the Greek word biazo means to force, to come to violence, uh, but it's a deliberate, purposeful, determined action. The scriptures here that the, says the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God goes forward with violence. You're like, oh my gosh, is that like bloods and swords and people killing each other like the crusades. No. What is meant here in the Greek word is that the kingdom of heaven goes forward with deliberate, planned out, forceful action. Okay? So, we pause. We're at the uh, nursing home the other day. There's a guy by the name of Albert Moore from Liberia. And we've been ministering to this guy over and over again. He's telling us all these crazy stories about how he came from Libya and he's sitting in his wheelchair and He's got this roommate who accepted the Lord two weeks ago. If you guys remember, I was sharing that. And we're there, and he's telling us, like, all these depressing stories. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is insane. And so I'm just, like, I'm just getting in a funk, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just kind of well up. I'm like, Albert, let us pray for you. And so I just started praying. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit was just giving me, like, words of knowledge for him and prophecy and last name is Moore, Albert Moore. And I was just like, the Lord is just going to give you more. You're going to have more of a a testimony when you go back home. And the kingdom and all, like just, you know, just edify him. He's getting encouraged. You feel the atmosphere in the room is changing. I was like, enough is enough. Albert, do you want to get up and walk? Yeah. All right. So we went over to him. We picked him up out of the wheelchair. Like, are you hurting? No, no, I'm okay. So we're holding him, and he's trying to put some pressure on his right leg, and it, it's hurting a little bit, so we're like, alright, man. Let just sit down. So he goes to sit down, and Tim just starts praying for his hip. And I, I just go around, and I turn around, and like, I just, like, it was so quick. I, I I don't know what happened. Like, it was so quick, I turn around, and Albert, here he is, is on, on his walking walker yeah he's on the walker and and he all I hear is enough is enough or I, I'm, I'm gonna walk come on come with me like, what? and he just starts going and we're like what just happened we go to his the roommate we're like have you ever seen Albert walk he's like, I've never seen him walk before ever he's always in the wheelchair He has not gone up in his wheelchair in as long as I've been here we has been like months and months and months and months and he's going and he's going and he's going and he's in. he's gone like 50 feet, 60 feet and he's in the hallway. We're like awesome. Tim is like about to take a picture. He wants to you know, document what's going on. He's there and then down the hallway there's a nurse that looks at, looks at us and says he can't do that. He can't do that. You can't do that. We need nurses to do that. God forbid if he falls. I'm like ma'am I'm sorry. He, he wanted to walk so we're helping him walk. And I turn around and Albert's back in the wheelchair. Amen. And it's easy for me to say that when I'm sitting in church. But in the moment I see someone with a level of authority in that place saying, You're not allowed to do that. Come sit down. And we're like, everything was like boom, boom, boom. Get what I'm saying? Like, I'm not perfect, I'm learning. I'm learning. But three years ago, I wouldn't be in a nursing home praying for someone having faith to see him get out of the wheelchair. It's okay. People are like, I don't know what to do. Should I, to, should I come to the nursing home? Yes. But I don't know what to do. Just come and be quiet and see what happens. The pressure's coming. What so what I'm getting here is this. The kingdom goes forward with force. Essentially what happened here is this woman used her authority and force to say he cannot do it and to declare that. And he sat down. Now, if I would have known better, if I would have been more in tune, I would have been like, no. The kingdom of heaven goes, goes forward. He once could not walk, but now he can. And Jesus says he's allowed to. I wasn't there. I wasn't at that place. You know, It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay right. And next time we're going to go and it, we're just going to believe that something like that's going to happen again and we're going to walk with the authority. First Corinthians 2 chapter 12 says, I'm sorry, chapter 2 verse 12 says, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. There is a spirit of the world that says you cannot do certain things, but there's a spirit of God that says you can. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says that we are at war not against flesh and blood, but by powers and principalities. That woman was a sweet woman. After, she's like, you know, I'm sorry. You know, we just, you know, we have to be careful with insurance and things like that. There's a point to that. But what was garnishing and what was controlling that situation? The spirit of the world. So you go forward with force and violence, not with a sword, but with the sword of the spirit, right? The scriptures. You go forward in faith and you go, and you're fighting in the spirit. That's how the kingdom goes forward. But it must be done in a deliberate, purposeful way in action. Too many of us sit back like I did at that time and just expected the kingdom to become manifest, like it's just going to happen. No, you are the feet. You are the hands of Jesus. You go forward, and you have to deliberately do stuff. You're just like, oh, I'm just going to see if someone just miraculously asks me about Jesus, I will tell them about it. Come on. you got to go out, and you got to make it happen, okay? All right, go to the next slide. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So... Remember, I led off with how long will you wait to take the land of promise? How long are you going to wait? you got to do something because the kingdom of God goes forward with force, power, might, deliberate, purposeful action. The spies had to go in and fight. You need to go into your workplace and fight in the spirit and pray and show love and, and tell people about the goodness of the you got to do something. Got to do it. Hallelujah. Thank you. I need it, man, because you know this is this is a tough message. A tough message. So, all right, going gonna. I'm hoping this is gonna make sense. I just pray, Lord, may, let this all come together. Uh, I, I've been talking to um, the kids at school about the craziest of the ni- the craziness of the 1960s, civil rights movement. Feminism, anti war pre- protests, anti government, all of that. It's a crazy time. The kids, you know, get a little excited about it. wow, this is so crazy. You know, it's all- and they say, Mr. Greenock, do you think this is going to happen again? I'm like, nah, it's not going to happen. I'm like, what do you mean it's not going to happen? I'm like, it's not going to happen again. Like, we'll never have a, counter-revolutionary, a counter revolutionary kind of counter movement like that again, but maybe we will. And if we will, it's sitting right here. It's surely not sitting in a public school. So they're coming at it not through the kingdom. They're coming at it like, well, could we have this major change in our society again? It's not going to happen in a public school room. It's going to happen here. It's going to happen. Let me preface that. They say, well, what do you mean it's not going to happen? I said, because it has been shown that our generation, those people born between 1980 and 2000, they're born in 2000, I'm born in 1980. We're the millennial generation. The new generation. And it has been argued pretty successfully that the millennial generation is the most narcissistic generation that has ever existed on planet planet. Time Magazine calls us the me, me, me generation. They're like, oh, that's so unfair, Mr. Oh, all that kind of stuff. I would say, look, oh, you asked me, is it ever going to happen again? I said it's never going to happen again because we are apathetic like, what do you mean? I said, what's different now than ever before is the power of technology. Technology exists to distract you, to give you pleasure, to entertain you. When you are continually being entertained, you are continually being pleased. You have no time to think, no time to ponder, no time to contemplate what's going on in the world. I said, take your iPhone out, turn it over. They're like, what? Like, take your iPhone out, turn it over. Really? Yeah, take out your phone and you'll see that the logo of the phone is an apple that has been bitten into it. The knowledge of good and evil. You have a device in your pocket that represents the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's sitting there, the world's information in your hand. That hand, that, that, that vice can, could be. Could, Expound worship music, or it can give you a video game to dull your pain. It can give you scripture verses, or to allow you to dull your pain, just surf through Facebook. It's an anesthetic. Makes us asleep, makes us concerned with pleasure and entertainment. We know for a fact, as I tell them in school, that the little rush you get when someone likes your Facebook posts, the little rush you get when someone likes your Snapchat article, the little rush you get when you hear your text in your pocket, we hook up technology, computers up to your brain We see which portions of the brain are being lit up when that happens. And we know for a fact, neuroscience say that when you get that little rush from your text, that in fact, the same portions of your brain that are lit up, or the same portions of the brain that are lit up when one is on heroin, crap. You physically get dopamine released in your brain. You get that little ooh. Someone just liked that person. And I said, if we have a nation, and a generation that is continually after this stuff, that's all they know, and it feels so good, how on earth are you going to put away the things world, to do some great, majestic, cultural change. so hard. And so we go to the next uh, one, and we get even creepier. I said, look, I'm born in 1980. Uh, 1980 means that for, in 1996, the internet came out. And for 16 years, I remember a life pre-internet. 96, the rich kids on my street got it. Uh, 2005, I was in graduate school. I get this annoying email from this company called Facebook asking me if I would like to join Facebook. I actually started just for college. Students. So you needed a college email address, a .edu to get it. I'm like, what is this thing called Facebook? Then smartphones came out about the same thing. So what I tell the kids, I went 25 years without the smartphone social media connection. I remember the day before the internet. I remember in sixth grade writing a position paper, a little book report, on a typewriter. Right? are like, what? I know I'm not that old. Things change very quickly. And I said, so what the uh, sociologists uh, say is that all people who b- b- born before 1996 is considered a digital immigrant. Everyone born after 1996 is a digital native. So Vermont, when were you born? 84, so technically you would be a digital immigrant. Um, what this means here is, I remember, and all of us here, for the most part, maybe not, I don't know, a of you are, but for the most part, all of us here were born in a realm before this social media hype. And I tell them, what's really freaky here is, there's going to be a moment when people my age, when we, those were born, 1978, 79, 1980, to maybe 82. I think my mom might be a little too young to remember, but maybe not. I said, when this When we, right? When we die, our age group, Selena, me, Michelle, Joe, when we die. All right. When we die, I tell the kids, when we die, the world will no longer have people representing on planet Earth that remember a day before the digital age took over. And then what? Then what? No one else will be there to be like, I remember the day when I sat with someone and I talked to him face to face. I remember the day that instead of me pulling out my phone and playing some kind of video game on it to dull my pain, or to go on Facebook and go through and surf to dull my pain, that I would have to find other things to do. That instead of waiting on a line to get a cup of coffee and the line's taking a little too long, I pull up my phone and surf through because I'm socially awkward. Kids, we're so socially awkward when there's nothing to do that we pull out the phone to have something to do. I said, it used to be you sat on there, you were bored. You're like, what's going on? You go to the person next to you, you'd be like, hey, what do you get? Something amazing would happen. They'd be like, I don't know, what do you get? You say, hi, my name's Dave. You say, hi, my name is Mike. And you get talking, you're like, hey, man, what are you doing? Blah, 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 all this stuff. And then you have a place of engagement. I'm telling you people, it's gonna be a day when we are gonna yearn and hope and wish we can go back to these days when kids were all on the phone. Because the day is coming And now you're in another place, another reality. Day's gonna come, not going to to it's a you're not gonna have to go reality. you just we're gonna be here but not be here. They're like, no, that's not gonna happen. Come on. 50 years ago, 1969, if I told someone at Woodstock Festival, hey, by the way, it's Woodstock right now, but you know what? In about 40 years, we're going to have a device that is able to access the world's information. You can contact anyone on planet Earth by receiving a signal from outer space. They would be like, what? What is the world going to be like 50 years from now? we have the worship team come on down, please? I tell them that it's not going to happen. It's counter-cultural, pushing against the flow of society. It will not happen among the public. Go to the next slide. The least diverse place in America is the college campus. Time Magazine, Washington Post, Huffington Post, are all saying that the least diverse place on the planet Earth, at least in the United States, is the college campus. Twelve liberal professors to every one conservative professor. I am not trying to make some kind of liberal, democratic, republican, uh, democrat thing here. No. What I'm saying is we have a nation, a generation of people that are marching forth that know nothing else than what people have told them and what the media has told them. Uh, In fact, it is argued, uh, in next slide, that essentially what we want in school, public school, what we want at college campuses, what we want in our world, are essentially wanting everyone to look different, but to think exactly the same. Oh, cool, you're black, you're Hispanic, you're white. Wow, you're prep, you're preppy dress like preppy, you dress like this way, you dress like this. Everyone has their own little vibe and their own little look, but everyone essentially thinks this. Look, what I'm trying to get at here is, is this also profound in the church? Are we also killing our pain by the use of dopamine, by looking at Facebook, by being connected, by always being busy? Do we make fun of the, of the church, the, the big expensive church that's got all the congregants in it and has lots of money and does their own thing, but here we are in our, our, our little Bristol. Do we look at them and say, oh, they're different? But are you and them thinking the same? Are you thinking in terms of self-preservation? Are you thinking that I've just come to the cross so I can feel better. I just came to the cross and I just come to church because it's the right thing to do and I feel entertained here. And they receive their entertainment with whitewashed walls, with upper middle class Americans. And and we get entertained with with bruises and, and marks on our walls. But are we still just here to be entertained? Look, there are people that march forth in the 1960s, the 70s, and the 80s who get all crazy about Save the Whale. Climate change. Vaccinations, anti-vaccinations. Oh my god, you can't wear fur, pee to this, pee to that. People get passionate to protest about trivial things. I can't quite say it's in public school, but I can't say it's in the church. Where are the protesters that raise the roof, raise the banner of revival in the kingdom of heaven? Come to earth. How many of us are just as fervent, just as excited, fire in our bones like people who want to have green peas? Where are the people in the church that are fired up and say, oh, I have an activism. I have a thing that is so great that's going to change eternity. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> we need a people, whether you're 80 years old or you're a millennial, the dopamine and the killing of the of the pain still exists. Pop on that TV, surf through that thing, check that Facebook. Oh, look, there's nothing wrong with TV, nothing wrong with Facebook. But if you're doing it all the time and you're taking it away from your time and your oh, Lord, instead of me going on Facebook right now, me watching TV, I need to have a little moment to just connect to you. I need a little moment to sing praises of your goodness. I need a little time to walk in the coffee shop. Instead of being on my phone, I'm going to go up to the store and say, hey man, what's your name? My name is this. I got to tell you about a guy and his name is Jesus. Can I pray for you, brother? Can I pray for you, sister? Hey, what are you going through? It seems like you're a little down. What's going on? Uh-oh, uh, no, what do you mean? You don't even know me. I know you're on your phone. You seem to be a little down. Can I tell you an answer? An answer of love, an answer of peace, an answer of excitement. His name is Jesus. Can I pray for that's what we need. If you want to see a counter-revolution, if you want to see a counter-cultural revolution take place in this place, if you want to really see the kingdom of heaven come on earth, it's going to take people who awake from our slumber that the world has given us and says, Oh, Jesus, is alive. Next slide. Modern day, Joshua and Caleb. That's so modern day. I believe it's 50 years ago already. Man on the left, uh, lesser known. His name is Rabbi Abraham Heschel. Man on the right is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., an African American Baptist. Martin Luther King Jr. is one who taught an entire generation the notions of soul. For You can't change people's minds. You have to change people's hearts. You can't change the laws of the land. You need to change the man's consciousness. You can make a law like the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that says that you are not to discriminate. But that's a law, and that's not going to work. What we need to do is we need to change the heart and the fabric of men so they see the love of humanity inside of them again. Dr. Abraham Heschel, the man on the left, is a Jewish man who is a Prize professor of theology and Jewish thinking at Jewish Theological Seminary 1960s he's writing his profound work, The Prophets incredible work he's sitting there typing, typing, typing he hears on the radio the stories of the civil rights movement, he pauses, he stops he's in awe and wonder of the almighty El Elyon, the most high God and he says in his memoirs, how could I write a book on the prophets if there's a prophet among us He goes out, next slide, 1965, Bloody Sunday. They cross over into Selma, Alabama, 50 miles outside of Selma. The most vicious, the most racist governor of all the South, George Wallace, says we're going to have segregation yesterday, segregation today, segregation forever. Blacks and whites are not meant to be together. That's just the way that it is. This is after a law has even been made. And Abraham Heschel, Dr. King led a group of men, women, and children across a bridge. They entered into the town, and they are met with so-called policemen that have whips and chains and clubs and dogs, and ready to sick people. Later on, Rabbi Heschel says, "When I was walking that day in Selma, when I was walking that day, it was as if my feet were praying." people who think like that today. My feet, my hands, my arms, my voice, my lips when I engage the lost, it's as if that's a prayer. And I go to someone at work and I just say, hey man, I'm here for you. Now, that would be likened to a prayer unto the Almighty. You see, these guys, they had something to live for. These guys understood the promise They understood that the promised land for America was something that they could step into. They understood that there would be a day, I have a dream one day, that my children, right, would not be judged by the color of skin, but by the content of their character. He had a dream. He's not an infallible man. He had problems. But he had a dream. He says, I see the promised land. We need to go and take the land for brothers and sisters to come together, to love one another. I see it and I believe in what he did, which was so much different than so many other people. He says, now, let's take it by force. Deliberate, planned action of taking over people's souls. Now, that's for a civil rights movement, which is very profound and very powerful. What I'm saying is there needs to be a day, a generation of Joshua and Caleb who say, you know what? We need to take the land. We're going to take it by force, force of love and peace and authority and anointing of the Holy Ghost. But it's only going to happen when we start to get a little love affair again with Jesus. When we start to say, I'm not going to cure my boredom by the things of this world and the busyness of the world and being entertained. I am going to get serious with King Jesus because I'm going to say, Lord God, I want my heart to be rent. I want you to come in. I want you to change my life. I'm tired of playing this Christian thing. I'm tired of playing church. I want the kingdom now to get rid of the distractions. Oh, get rid of the distractions of life, the pain, the sorrow, the the, the, the apathy, the aesthetic nature of just wanting the pain to go away. Oh, let me just sit on my couch and turn on a little bit more TV. Oh, let me just check once again that Facebook notification. No, we pray right now. I pray right now in the Spirit. Oh, all those things that are holding us back, holding us back to engage the kingdom of God, whatever it may be, whether it's the Facebook or it's the food or it's the busyness or it's the money, whatever we put our time to right now in Jesus' name, we pray right now, starting forth from here, that the kingdom of heaven goes forth with violence, with deliberate, purposeful action. Father, we pray right now in the spirit that anyone that has a hold on them, anyone that is just so so tired, and so fatigued, and so upset in their life that they hide. They hide behind a book. They hide behind a movie. They hide behind something. Lord, expose it right now in Jesus' name. For where the light is, darkness cannot reign, Lord God. I pray against right now a generation of people, of Americans, who are just sitting apathetic, waiting for the kingdom. I pray right now, Lord God, this this church right here, right now, right now, would be a purposeful generation. This is all I want to seek your face, oh God of Jacob. Oh, I want to be a purposeful person that steps in the morning and the gates of hell shake because of what you have been doing in my life. Let it be so in this day. We go back to the first slide, Arise and go. Joshua said unto the children of Israel, how long will you wait till you take the land? I'm declaring to you, I'm not waiting. Time of the kingdom has come. Stand. Father, we pray right now against any any lies of the enemy. Any lies of the enemy that will try to take away what you're trying to do today, what you were doing today. Any lies of the enemy that speak in terms of uh, condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We are beloved. If there's a conviction of the Holy Ghost that says, you know what, I need to put my phone down a little bit more. And I need to pray a little bit more. There's a little conviction of the Holy Ghost that says, you know what, I've been hiding behind or I've been hiding behind movies or entertainment or, or whatever. Lord, that it would just be exposed and that there would be no condemnation but as a father that loves his son, that brings conviction and guidance, says, oh, I don't want you to be hiding behind those things, my beloved because I want you. Oh. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven father who are in heaven hallowed be thy name let your name be glorified and honored on earth let your kingdom descend rend the heavens and come on down kingdom of heaven come on down healing be released in Jesus name financial breakthrough be released in Jesus name healing healing Healing, physical, emotional, spiritual. Let the kingdom come in Jesus' name. Families being restored. Spouses being brought forth in unification in Jesus' name. Whoa, Jesus, right now let families be restored in Jesus' name. Husbands and wives restored right now in Jesus' name. Husbands and and, and wives being restored in Jesus' name. Fathers and daughters and mothers and sons being restored in Jesus' name. Awaken my soul. Awaken my soul. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. To see the need for the kingdom. Sorry to leave on an intense note, but that Holy Spirit was just burning it. Have a wonderful week. See you downstairs. Hmm. Feel free to just stay and just be in the presence. If you have any questions about some of the things I was saying, you didn't understand, or you just have some things I'll be here. If you need any prayer for, for anything, especially dealing with this, we'll just have some, some, some prayer team on down, you know who you are pretty much the board of elders the ministers. We're for now down for people that may want some prayer and impartation. As always, we just want to keep the atmosphere here a place of praise, a place of honor and worship in the Lord. Amen. Amen.